Hello London, we are ready for your vote. Hello, I'm Stephen Perkins and this is Douzepoint, your Eurovision podcast that is part of the Bingewatch podcast universe. We're back from hiatus and filling the achingly long gap between Liverpool 2023 and the beginning of the national final season for next year with some more deep-ish dives into the history of Eurovision. Now, if you're listening to this episode, you're probably already subscribed to us, which is great. But if not, this is a good moment for me to remind you to hit subscribe on your podcast platform to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes. And if you haven't abandoned Twitter yet, you can catch us there at bingewatch underscore pod. There's a lot about Eurovision 2024 that's still to be decided, but one thing that we do know about next year's contest is that it will see the long-awaited return of Luxembourg to Eurovision for the first time since 1993. So, to mark this momentous occasion, we thought it would be appropriate to take a look at the slightly complicated history of Luxembourg in the contest, from their status as the little nation that could, emerging as a Eurovision powerhouse in the 1960s, to their unceremonious exit from the contest in the mid-90s, and the ongoing campaign to get them to return. As a trigger warning, I will be attempting to speak French multiple times in this podcast, so if you are a French person or indeed a French speaker, I could only apologise, and if you do happen to have a Gomez Adams-like reaction to such things, consider yourself duly alerted. So, let's start with the essential facts about Luxembourg at Eurovision. They were one of the seven countries who made their debut at the very first Eurovision Song Contest in 1956, and only missed one contest in 1959 until their final appearance in 1993. In that 37-year span, Luxembourg clocked up five wins, which places them in joint third place in the overall leaderboard, tied with France, the Netherlands and the United Kingdom, and behind only Sweden and Ireland. They've also hosted the contest four times, each time in Luxembourg City. But they're unique among multiple Eurovision winners, though, in that they've never had a win by a native artist. Of their five winning acts, four were French and one was Greek. That's arguably due, at least in part, to Luxembourg's comparatively small size. Its population is currently 660,000, which in Eurovision terms puts it somewhere in between Cyprus and Malta, both of whom have managed to put a substantial number of homegrown acts on the Eurovision stage, but neither of whom have managed to win yet, despite making their debuts 42 and 32 years ago, respectively. So, let's start at the beginning. Luxembourg's first entrant was Michel Arnaud in 1956, and that contest was rare in that each country submitted two songs, though not necessarily two acts. Luxembourg and eventual winner Switzerland got the same artist to perform both songs. That year was the only time we didn't get a full results breakdown and only the winner was announced, so we don't know actually how Luxembourg got on in their debut, but it's safe to say that after that initial entry, they didn't get off to the best of starts at Eurovision. After finishing 4th out of 10 in 1957, they came last in 1958, and after skipping the contest entirely in 1959, returned to finish last again in 1960. One other notable thing about 1960 I should probably mention is that this was the first of only three occasions where the Luxembourg entry was in Luxembourgish rather than French, and that none of those entries were exactly successful. But their fortunes were transformed in 1961 when French singer Jean-Claude Pascal won gold for Luxembourg for the first time with the song Nous les Amoureux, beating runners-up the Allisons from the United Kingdom by a fairly comfortable margin for that era of seven points. Incidentally, this song, sung in French, was all about two people wanting to be together against all odds, and Pascal later explained that it was actually meant to be about a gay relationship, but the lyrics were kept ambiguous enough that it wasn't obvious to the public at large. Luxembourg hosted the contest in 1962, one of the rare occasions where it was held on a Sunday, and this allowed 1960 entrant Camillo Felgen, who'd finished last, to return for his redemption arc and get a third place finish this time. 
Incidentally, Luxembourg currently holds the honour of being the smallest country ever to host Eurovision, and given the colossal nature of the contest these days, that might be a record that will be hard to steal from them, unless Malta or perhaps San Marino really up both their game and their infrastructure. In 1963, Luxembourg were represented by none other than Nana Muscuri, who finished in 8th place with Athos de Prier. But arguably Luxembourg's most famous and best-loved Eurovision entry came in 1965, when France Gall won with Poupée de Cire, Poupée de Sang, Serge Gainsbourg's wickedly self-referential song about the inherent ironies of baby pop. Ironies that were, ironically, largely lost on Gall herself, who was only 18 at the time, and wasn't best pleased when she eventually cottoned onto the song's meaning and realised she'd been manipulated and exploited by adults in the industry to to make a satirical point, which is presumably one of the reasons why she disassociated herself from Eurovision in her later career and never performed that song. Nevertheless, she triumphed in Naples for Luxembourg, meaning they got to host the contest again in 1966. After 1965, they had a bit of an off spell, mostly ending up in the bottom half of the scoreboard and even receiving the dreaded nul point in 1970, but their fortunes were about to transform once again by pulling off the rare feat of back-to-back -back wins in 1972 and 1973, first by Vicky Leandros with Après Toi, followed by one of the enduring fan-favourite Luxembourg entries to Te Reconnaîtras by Anne-Marie David in 1973. Luxembourg hosted the contest in 1973, but declined the opportunity to do it again in 1974 on financial grounds, meaning that honour passed to the UK, who'd finished third in 1973 with Cliff Richards' Power to All Our Friends. And that meant Luxembourg did end up missing out on being the host nation that gave ABBA to the world. But those are the breaks, I suppose. It would be 10 years before Luxembourg pulled off their next and so far final win, but that's not to say those years were uneventful. They veered between the top and bottom of the leaderboard, but there were notable entries which often ended up doing much better in the pop charts than they actually did in the contest. Like Spanish duo Baccarat of Yes Sir I Can Boogie fame, who represented Luxembourg in 1978 with Parlez-vous Francais, which finished in 7th place. And, one of my personal favourites, twins Sophie and Magali in 1980 with Papa Pinguin, an incredible earworm that sounds like it should be the theme tune to an animated film, and if you haven't had the pleasure of that one, I strongly recommend going on YouTube after you've listened to this podcast and checking that one out because it's fantastic, not just for the song itself, but also for the outfits and the dance routine. Luxembourg's most recent win came in 1983 with Corinne Hermès and Si la vie est which brings us to another noteworthy Luxembourg fact. The 1984 contest from Luxembourg City was hosted by Desiree Nusbush, who was just 19 at the time, making her the youngest host in adult Eurovision history. And coincidentally, the winners that year were Sweden's Heres, the two members of which were 18 and 19, so they are the youngest men to win the adult contest. So it was a big year for young people at Eurovision generally. Incidentally, this was also the year that the UK's entry, Love Games by Bell and the Devotions, got booed by the audience in the theatre, reportedly caused in part by the behaviour of English football fans in Luxembourg the previous year, but also because two of the group didn't have their mics turned on at all and were in fact having their vocals provided by offstage backing singers. That does bring us close to the end of Luxembourg's dominance at Eurovision. Cherise Laurence managed top three in 1986, but bringing out Plastic Bertrand of Saplan Pour Moi fame in 1987 only got Luxembourg to 21st place, and their final big result came with Lara Fabian in 1988, finishing fourth with Croix. After that, it was pretty downhill for Luxembourg, not finishing higher than 13th in the rest of their time at Eurovision, and their final two entries, in 1992 and 1993, were recorded at least partly in Luxembourgish, which didn't go over terribly well with the juries. And by 1994, the expansion in the number of countries wanting to enter the contest led to the need for a relegation system, and the seventh lowest placing countries from the previous year didn't qualify, one of which was Luxembourg. 
They would have been entitled to return in 1995 after sitting out for a year, but they decided not to, which seemed partly due to a lack of interest from member broadcaster RTL, who felt that Eurovision wasn't a particularly key part of their mission, with their focus being more on news and current events for Luxembourgish people. Given that their presence in Eurovision was more often than not conducted by artists from outside the country and singing in French rather than Luxembourgish, Eurovision not being a priority did make a certain degree of sense. That said, various petitions were organised over the years to attempt to bring them back, largely gaining little traction within RTL, but in May this year, the EBU confirmed that a change of heart had taken place within the broadcaster and RTL would be both broadcasting and entering Eurovision in 2024. In terms of high-profile returns, this is a bit like when Italy finally came back to the contest in 2011, after a 14-year gap, but it's not quite the same, because Luxembourg have of course been gone a lot longer. There are 30-year-olds living in Luxembourg that weren't alive the last time their country competed at Eurovision. So Luxembourg returns to the contest with a fairly formidable reputation from their early days, but that was a long time ago, and the contest they're coming back to is a very different one from the one that they left. As a smaller country, well they have the heft to compete with the big guns, and they've never had to face a semi-final qualifier before, so will they even make it to the grand final? Nonetheless, it's an exciting prospect, I'm really glad they're back, and I can't wait to see what they decide to offer up in 2024. That's it from me for now. All being well, I'll be back in two weeks for another casual stroll through Eurovision history. So please do come back and join me then, and hit subscribe if you haven't already done so, to make sure you get the latest episodes as soon as they are released. Until next time, good night Europe, and good morning Australia. Yeah.